Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Greetings, this is Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this episode number 300 of the Nonprofit Exchange. Eight years of talking with leaders with great wisdom and experience in many fields. Our leader today is Stu Manowith. We're going to talk about data and why it's important. So Stu, let's start out by talking about who you are and why are you doing this great work? It's funny, none of us, I think, when they are 30 plus years into their career, as you and I both are, um, look back look back and think when we were in our 20s, what we'd be, we'd we'd be doing now. You'll probably, you'll be interested to know that my background actually is in arts administration. When I got out of school, I styled myself to be a producer of theater. And in fact, I worked at a theater for the first four or five years of my career, but it was a nonprofit theater and I was mentored by a wonderful director of development. She's since passed away, but I learned from her about fundraising and about that fundraising can be a, a very rewarding profession. And so I, I learned from her and I raised money for, I actually, you produced children's theater for the first uh, four or five years of my career, but I learned that you needed to fundraise in order to produce the plays. And from there, I went on to a, a career in fundraising. I worked for a membership organization, a fraternal organization for um, about six, seven years. And then I was director of annual giving at a healthcare foundation. And that's where I really cut my teeth on learning fundraising and on, because annual giving, so often depends on leveraging data and using data, I got to be very comfortable and familiar with data. And I was there for about seven years. And then uh, some people like to joke and say that I went over to the dark side, but I really went over to the technology side. I went to work for a company called Blackboard. I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with Blackboard, uh, the Razor's Edge being probably their main uh, fundraising CRM product. And then about six years ago, so I was there for about 13 years working on organizations, including, frankly, a lot of faith-based organizations uh, were part of my patch, implementing their uh, nonprofit fundraising and accounting systems. And then about six years ago, I went to work for Omatic Software, which is where I work now, which is a data integration company that is focused exclusively on integrating data for organizations in the nonprofit uh, sector. Great, great. We're streaming this live on Facebook. You can find us at thenonprofitexchange.org. Um, and um, uh, Stu represents Omatic, O-M-A-T-I-C, software.com, and we'll talk up a little bit about that later. But <clears throat> Stu, I've been working in the sector for um, 33 years now, and I just I find a large gap in the way organizations, churches, nonprofits, community-based groups, associations a little better because they have to stay in touch, but there's a, there's a stewardship piece uh, that goes with managing our data because we have people that give us money, they give us their time, they give us their intellectual property because they want to, they have a passion about what we do, our purpose, our mission. And we, we're in the business of transforming lives. So what's the biggest challenge for those of us that are really way too busy in, in understanding what we need to know about managing data. The data are people's names, all the stuff about them. How do we build and maintain those relationships using data? So talk about the importance of it and 
what kind of data are we talking about? Sure, thanks, Sue. It, it, it's a that's a great that's a great lead-in. Uh, I would say first of all, the thing that people need to think about, and it's it's not easy if you're not used to it, but I would say let's get in the practice of it, is that organizations need to think about their data as an asset, an asset like any other asset, like money in the bank, like investments, like cars and houses and anything else that you think of as an asset. Data is an asset. It has tremendous value. It has tremendous worth. And because of that, it should be taken care of and stewarded and 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 fed and and cleaned and just taken care of the same way that you would take care of and steward any other asset that is going to be valuable to you. Does that does that make sense? It absolutely does. If you had a car, you'd get the oil changed, you'd fill it full of gas, right? Right, right, right. And you if you have a, it. you might wash it occasionally. And if you if and if you have data, if you've got a database, you want to make sure that it's clean. You might you might, for example, you might send the data out to make sure that all of your zip codes are up to date, or that um, you can have dates of birth or information about maybe who has passed away so that you can mark them as deceased. But so so things like that, I guess, align with getting your car maintained and getting your car washed. But I would even go back to just, if you think about just the basics, making sure that people's names are spelled correctly, that you've got the right address for them, that if they change their email address, or if they prefer certain correspondence to go to a work email address, another correspondence to go to a home email, home email address, you have that information um, tracked and identified so that you're communicating to people the way they expect to be communicated with, and you're not again, smelling their name wrong or um, uh, referring to a, a married couple appropriately, or if someone, you know, God forbid, gets divorced and they, they, a name change goes back, people want to be referred to the way they want to be referred to. And I would say just those basics are, are a great start. You know, I get emails that are requesting a donation and people spell my name wrong. Yeah. And that doesn't say they care very much about the relationship. Now, you, um, you were in fundraising and you, you acquired the CFRE title. Um, tell people what that is and, and what you learned about relationship building in that process that's so important that data helps support. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the question. So <clears throat> I earned my CFRE in 1999. So I guess that's 23 years ago. Um, it stands for Certified Fundraising Executive. And what it means is someone who has um, earned that designation, I'll just take a minute and tell you about the process, um, has uh, uh, achieved a base, what, what, what the fundraising profession considers to be a baseline level of subject matter and domain expertise in order to be an effective fundraiser. And the, the process is you have to have five years of experience as a fundraiser, um, demonstrate that you have uh, what is called professional practice means that either you've raised X amount of dollars over those five years, or you've managed a fundraising team, or you've built a communications program, or something that supports and extends and enhances the uh, development and philanthropy, and then you take, then you sit for an exam. It's a 200 question exam that you have to pass at a certain level. Um, what I learned from that process and from being a fundraiser and then from working with data systems that support fundraising is you can't underestimate the importance of 
relationships and relationship building. And that people, supporters, whether they are people who register or register for an event, sign up to attend a class, um, uh, subscribe to a newsletter, all of those things work together, all of those different ways they touch an organization work together to form a picture of a person uh, or a couple or a household and a fundraiser or a, uh, a de development professional, donor relations professional, it behooves them to use all of that data in how they interact and how they communicate with those people to, to build that relationship. And sometimes that relationship is going to be um, an email an email or a, an, an online, a, a virtual relationship for major gift officers, like my wife, who's a major gift officer for a hospital, it's very much in person. But I, at, 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 at all levels of the fundraising pyramid, we talk about the bottom of the pyramid, which is the, I, I call it the, the low cost, high volume donors versus the top, which is the major, major, uh, donors or um, people who are heavy in their will. Um, all, the, regardless, you have to have, you've got to know whom you're talking to and you have to have the data. There's so much data. You have to have data <clears throat> in your systems that you can use when you're establishing those relationships and when you are cultivating and soliciting and stewarding those relationships. I remember <clears throat> watching the movie, I think it was Alan, Alan Arkin or Alan Alda, that was a politician, Tynan or something, Joe Tynan, and he's on a call with a constituent and his assistant's there pulling through the card file. It was through the <laughs> says, How Joe, how Sally and the kids. Exactly, exactly right, exactly right. Had in front of him. And I know, I watch NASCAR races, I know they have some sort of database. They can give all the history of this driver and what's going on and you know the statistics. They just rattle them off like it's in their brain. But you know, on the other side of that, when somebody remembers my birthday or remembers something I did significant, that's important. So you talked about, um, we do different things. So we have a portal where we have donations and that comes into a donation database. Right. We have an email database. We have a, a mailing database. We have a, hopefully a segmented database. So we have planned giving, we have major gifts, we have small monthly gifts, we have people right. segmented differently. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. We also have, I mean, you, you're, you're, I'd say you're going a little deeper than scratching the surface, but organizations will also have event management. They'll have an events database. They yeah. will have volunteers. Um, it, um, uh, very often, uh, uh, congregations will have a separate membership database, separate from fundraising. It, it, it's, it can, I would say it can be a mess. And I would say that savvy, Data management professionals realize the importance the importance of amalgamating and consolidating all of that data into a single uh, we call it a system of record a, you know a big boy system a big boy um, CRM so that they can see all those touch points and when you when someone calls in or when you call out to somebody or when you even do direct marketing segmentation you can pull in as much personalization as possible because. Personalization is the name of the game today. And to you, your point, Hugh, that's what makes readers or listeners or the person on the other end of the phone or the other end of the email, it resonates with them that you know who they are, that you care about them, and that they're that you are that they're important to you and that your gift ergo is important to them. Occasionally I get an email. I hope it's not from myself, 
but I'll, you know, those, those fields that bring in your first name or last name, right. specify, and I'll get one dear name. And I went, you know, they weren't very careful. They didn't put my name in that data field so that it brought it up when they sent me this personalized message. So well, it's a, it's a red flag. It's a, it's a red flag that, that there was something that someone was not taking care. Um, we, we work with a lot of organizations where these days, there's so, there are so many people who are typing their own information into forms, uh, and they do it in all lowercase or all uppercase, or in the city field, they'll put NYC instead of New York City, or, uh, or the Big Apple, if you know, they're trying to be funny. Um, but it, 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 that kind of thing can come back and bite an organization and the donor themselves on the backside, because it, it went when you get a direct mail letter or even an email, just the way you said, where it says, dear Stu, and Stu is all lowercase. I'm thinking, what the heck, you know, what's going on here? Obviously, they should know enough to capitalize the first letter in my name. And that makes a difference to people. It does. It does. It's all in that. It's, it's really, um, we teach in Center Vision that um, the foundational leadership is relationship. The foundation yeah, yeah. communications is relationship. The foundation and fundraising is relationship. So we can blow it really easily. It takes you a long time to build up, but it, you can blow it quickly. So I've been working with nonprofit leaders and clergy for 33 years. And I, there's some consistent patterns. We, we, we hear this word nonprofit and it pivots us into this scarcity thinking. We can't spend money on that. We can't do that. It's the we can't thing because we're a nonprofit. Um, so one of, the, one of the ways that we think in scarcity terms, our specialty is, is helping groups become fundable. And if you've got a plan that talks about specific outcomes, if you've got a plan, then the board and the volunteers know what to do. So the, having the, the business plan and your strategy uh, accompanying that is so essential. And, and I get things like, oh, we don't have time to do that. We have to feed people. Oh, we don't have time to do that. We're saving people's souls. But wait a minute, you're compromising the work that you're called to do. So when people look at data, like the, in this, probably the same way as planning, there's probably lots of people that have partial data, but it's not clean, it's not concise, it's not usable. Right. So how do you address the mindset, oh, we're doing a part of work, we don't have time for that? You know, that's that's such a great question. It's so interesting because we've, at Omatic, we've studied that. Um, and in fact, we, um, we did a study on that last year. We assumed that what we were going to, the outcomes that we were going to get, and it, it, and it panned out. But what, but we observed is that if you have good technology and data management tools that that will directly and positively affect the ability you you have to deliver your mission to feed more people to save more souls to build more houses whatever and and I'll, I'll and I'll get into the detail in just a moment and if you don't have good tools and technology or if you rely on manual labor intensive processes or if your technology, if you don't have any technology at all or rudimentary, or if you don't put the energy into taking care of your data, then you're going to have less resources to deliver whatever your mission is. And I'll, I'll walk you and I'm, I'm, I'll take a moment and walk through the cycle with you. Uh, and I'd, I'd love I'd love you to um, to ask questions about it. So 
when you when your tool when your technology and your tools ensure that your data are of high quality, current, fresh, clean, error-free, complete, comprehensive, amalgamating all those data points, then the processes that use that data are going to be more effective. They are going to, you'll be able to personalize the way that donors and supporters expect you to. You're, you'll be able to engage your constituency in a more effective way which will lead to a all in all better constituent experience. Uh, again, proper personalization, um, expectations being met by that community of people that you're engaging with, that with whom you're building the relationships. That will result in them being retained as donors or being acquired as donors or um, raising the size of their gift at, at a higher than average rate, which will mean more money for to fund your mission. And I know that in many organizations, we there are some that may feel that it's crass or not in good um, not in good conscience to talk about money. But the truth is, is that it takes money to run our organizations. And if we can use technology to make sure that our data is of high quality, and we can use that data to better engage our constituencies, we will, in fact, increase donor retention, increase average gift, and have more funding to save more souls, build more houses, feed more people, buy more basketballs for the kids who can't afford them, all, all those kind of things. The, the, the flip side of that is that with if you don't take care of the quality of your data and your, the processes that leverage that data will not hit the mark, they'll miss the mark. You will turn off donors, just like the example you gave a, a moment ago, and they will not be as retained or not be as acquired and you will not um, meet your fundraising targets, which means there'll be less money to deliver your mission. So that's how we kind of look at the cycle of how data tools and data management really directly impact how an organization, how successful an organization can be in delivering its mission. Wow. So there's, there's putting all these moving, moving parts together. So one, one question that comes to my mind is about staffing. Now, very often, um, if you're a visionary or a people person, you're not a tactical person. And, and part of being tactical is data, technology, right. that whole realm. And so some of us that are that are the visionary leaders shy away from all of that. Now, I happen to be very comfortable with technology, but I'm not common. So what would you say to a person like that? And we tend to want to, oh, it's a nonprofit. Let's get some college kid to do this for us. You really need somebody with a higher level expertise that can actually, it's an investment for you. That's actually going to deliver much more in results than you're paying them. So how do we rethink about whose area of expertise do we delegate? You know, delegate is a, a leadership quality we know little about, but we need to delegate this piece to somebody who's going to manage the fullness of it. So what advice do you have about staffing it? Sure. Uh, again, great question. In, in this day and age, you know, we're, we're in, we're already in the second fifth of the 20, 21st century. In this day and age, Every organization has a database. I mean, I know that many, for many, that may be an Excel spreadsheet, but for, for, for most, 
they have a they have a they have a database and there should be there should be somebody identified as being the owner of that database and i think it, it's it, it really does fall to them and those people you know when when i was in when i was in the theater my very first job and i think this is i think this is often true in faith-based organizations and and any organization and that is people who when i was in the theater people who were theater majors found majors found themselves you know being the accountants and the writing the purchase orders and um uh, making the phone calls and doing the business things that they never really anticipated doing. And I think I, I find that true among clergy and among other uh, other social workers who went into the field to deliver the mission and they find themselves running the organization. So, and whether someone has come into it that direction or um, uh, these days, of course, there are nonprofit administration programs, people can major in nonprofit management. But either way, there there really does need to somebody need to be somebody who owns the the his ownership of the database. Now that doesn't mean they need to be technically proficient. Luckily, these days also there are many, many software applications that don't require knowledge of coding, don't require knowledge of programming languages that people can use to amalgamate this data and allow them to get uh, obtain insights from it um, in a way that probably 10, 20 years ago required more of a um, of a technology specialist. I think that that there are there are software options, and I, I don't want to I don't want to call too much attention to Omatic software, but that's one of the things that we do is that we provide utilities and technology tools for organizations to integrate data where you don't need to be a programmer or a coder all you need to be is an end user and we give we give users the op opportunity to uh, take advantage of data in ways that they might not have been able to do well you know i didn't know such a tool exists so it's o-m-a-t-i-c I mean, it's o and the website is o-m-a-t-i-c software.com so when I've got a picture of those of you on the audio podcast won't see it, of course, but you can go to this episode and see the, the video, which would show you this. Um, and we're about 23 minutes into the interview. But um, what what does what do you provide for people? It just seems like a nightmare of all these different pieces. So what does Omatic bring to the table that would be helpful? Um, thank you for asking. What we bring to the table is a, a tool set that allows organizations to take data from disparate sources, like all of the, in the diagram, you can see all of those sources around the perimeter of the circle, um, email applications, uh, email marketing applications, online giving applications, event management applications, peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, all of those different payment systems and bring them in to your main database so that the people who are easily map the data, which means, identify the source and the right destination. And so that organizations can have all of this different, all of these different data points from all of the different systems they use all in one place and they can use it, um, use that data effectively to continue to communicate and build relationships with their constituency. Great, great. And you know this quite well and that's pretty obvious. So what, um... What, what are the trends happening? I mean, there's, we see new programs 
practically every day. So what are the trends that you see going on in the nonprofit technology landscape? Well, there, there's two that I see, and they're somewhat related, but um, but let's let's talk about them separately. One is, of course, the advent and the movements to the cloud. More organizations are migrating to tools that are cloud-based or building, uh, they may have a, uh, a an on-premises main database, but they are using more and more cloud apps. Even, even um, basic Office applications like Microsoft Office, Microsoft Word, it, it, right in these days, if you get it, it's Microsoft Office 365 and it's all cloud-based. You don't have to worry about having anything on your uh, on your main on your own computer or on your or on local servers. It's all it's all cloud-based. Um, cloud technology <clears throat> is not just newfangled, but it also it is in the long run, less expensive because there's no, the organization who's using it is, is less concerned about infrastructure on their own premises. And the cloud provider is more often um, responsible for the, the hardware and the servers and even the software and all you need is internet connection and you are off to the races. The other thing is that it's safer because uh, cloud providers have to be uh, completely up to speed and up to date on security and on protect and on data protection. Um, and it is, um, it, it, it's as we know from the, having been through the last two years of the pandemic, um, it allows people to work from wherever they need to, and they don't need to go into an office anymore to be productive and effective. So cloud technology is, is one. What that has done is to a great extent, the second trend is all, the ability to use all of these different apps and platforms and programs to reach out to different constituents and supporters and donors and members in different ways, whether it is online giving or um, text to give or email marketing, email journeys, there are different apps and different platforms and systems that organizations can now obtain, and, and, and that's the trend I'm seeing is that they are obtaining them, that allows them to meet their supporters on the supporters, where the supporters wanna be met. And, but what it also does is it, to the point we were making before, is it, furnishes them with a lot more systems and a lot more data that they need to manage. And that can be, it can be overwhelming and it, it and it, it gives them more data to work with, but also more data to manage. Your title that you gave me <clears throat> was um, from data and technology to mission impact colon. Uh, is it virtuous, a virtuous cycle? A virtuous cycle. Yeah. A virtuous cycle. Say more about that, please. So a, a virtuous cycle is any cycle that um, where there's some dependencies, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where there are some dependencies where one component of the cycle leads to the next and leads to the next, and it circles around to, uh, to the initial one. I'm, I'm not being very articulate, but, uh, but, but I wrote a note down. So let me, let me, let me read that note to you. Um, it, it's, a chain, it's a chain of activities in which each activity reinforces the subsequent activity for a positive 
result or outcome that ultimately supports a loop back to the initial activity in the cycle so that the cycle continues with further positive momentum. Um, in fundraising, um, we hear talk of something called moves management. That's a great example of a virtuous cycle. Cultivation, solicitation, and stewardship leads around the cycle back to cultivation. And the cycle that I was talking about with from starting with uh, an investment in tools and technology and cycling around to quality data, better processes, better engagement, more money for mission, mission impact is a virtuous cycle. It, it will continue around and around um, until something disrupts it. Mostly it's us disrupting it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so Stu, this is very enlightening. And you know, we have all of this at our fingertips. And so I would hope that people would look at this sector more, uh, more closely and then reach out. We do have volunteers that could be helpful here, but then it would pay us to even have a part-time staff person to help oversee all of the data and how it's supplied and making sure that the people on the board understand the data as well. So this works both ways. You know, you're, it's an outreach for data, but also it's, it's an information system for us. So um, this is really good. Hadn't heard about this, been in the field a long time. So you reached out and we connected and I'm thanking you for being here today. So it's my gonna, pleasure. I'm going to give you the last word. What, what do you want to leave people with? A question, a challenge? Uh, what do you want to leave them with? Uh, so I would say, I guess my challenge is try to look at your data as an asset. Try to look at all of the ways that you can get insights from consolidating data from different points and the stories they tell about the donors or the supporters or the congregants or the members that you're working with and how you can use data to build a relationship with them and have them build that relationship back with you. And hopefully, and again, uh, at the risk of, of being sounding too crass or mercenary, um, getting them to invest in your cause so that you can do good with the resources that that building that relationship provides. Absolutely good. So folks, you can find it at, um, I'm going to read your website one more time. It's omatic, O-M-A-T-I-C software.com. Stu Manoweth, thank you for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.